0: Today's show is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Head over to Cufflinks.com this holiday season and you will find amazing gifts for everyone in the family. They got socks, ties, belts, cufflinks, of course, and a host of other stuff that you're just going to love. It's going to make you look good when you step out in the morning. And they've always got codes for you to save. Use code ELVES. Elves, baby, just like Santa. And get free three-day shipping on any order over $100 plus 15% off. What? 15% off $100 plus plus free three-day shipping. It's a holiday bonanza at cufflinks.com. And that's from December 4th to the 18th. Go out and use that code ELVES. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use that code. Support our sponsor. Thank you, Cufflinks. We love you. Happy holidays. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Watchmen. My name is Axel, and my guest co-host today is Daniel D'Souza of the Tower of Babel podcast. Hey, Today. how's it going? Oh, hey, Dan, how you doing, pal? Hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> All right, man. Today we're going to be giving you our initial reactions to Watchmen Season One, Episode 8, entitled A God Walks Into A Bar, directed by Nicole Castle and written by Damon Lindelof and Jeff Jensen. You can send us feedback to DVRPodcast at gmail.com and check us out at DVRpodcast.com. Thank you, everyone. For the really kind iTunes reviews, please keep them coming. I set the goal of 50, and we're actually at 49. So who will be 50? The suspense is killing me. We'll see soon enough, hopefully, by the time I do the podcast on Wednesday with Aaron. We've hit that magical goal, and we do appreciate everyone taking the time to do that. Also, join our Patreon. I set a goal of 30, and actually, we're at 28. I thought we were at 27 or maybe we're at 29. I don't know. Patreon gives me like different numbers. But anyway, Tay, John, Elena, Giuseppe, and Kim recently joined us. You get lots of past episodes we've done of Lost Mythos and the film list, ad-free stuff, lots of exclusives. And uh, actually, you know what? Tower of Babel has a Patreon too. Head over to patreon.com slash, what is it, T-O-B Podcast. It's uh, patreon.com slash TowerBabbleCast. There you go, baby. Go on and do that. And uh, so Dan's here. Dan, I have been listening to you guys for a real (laughs) long time. It started out with, I think, Game of Thrones. And I've always appreciated your kind of weekly news that you do. You guys are geeky and fun, but you have a good perspective about things. Like you just did a podcast, excuse me, about – the Snyder Cut. And I, when you first started talking about it, I was like, oh, God, The Snyder Cut. But you're just honest about it. You're like, look, some people would like to see it. We, It would be fun. You talk about the aspects. And you don't kind of get into all the mumbo jumbo. You just really talk about it as it is. And I've always appreciated that about your podcast. And uh, mm-hmm. I've especially liked you. Julian's been on the show before. Uh, we 've only need to get Jeremy, and then we 'll have the Trifecta, right. but uh, you could tell us a little bit about
1: yourself, the podcast, and thanks for coming on yeah, thanks for having me, man uh, I think that 's a pretty good summary. What we do is very similar to what you do. Um, I, I think we try to approach things a bit more casually, um, that being said, you know we 're very passionate about a lot of this stuff uh we just try to avoid you know specifically with the snyder cut and just in general fandom all the vitriol and all the sort of the negativity and 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 more it from a a perspective in that like we're very passionate about it we enjoy talking about it let's enjoy talking about it together that's basically it yeah i dig
0: that man so where can we find you what pods are you doing now tell us a little bit about that and then we'll get into this episode
1: (laughs) Sure, for sure. Uh, everywhere we're we're pretty much everywhere. Um, Tower of Babel. That's Babel, B uh, A B B L E, not the biblical version. Um, right now we're we're doing our own Watchmen show uh, where we're we're doing a small screen Star Wars show right now. It's the Mandalorian on Disney Plus. Um, outside of that, we have like you mentioned earlier a Patreon. We have Patreon exclusive episodes of a monthly film club, and then we just have our flagship podcast, which is more general weekly news like you said um whatever's in the news in the in the realm of sort of the the nerdy fandom genre stuff i like that man yeah i'm a i'm a a long time listener (laughs) and i've been
0: enjoying your uh, watchman coverage i think we've been pretty much on the same tip with all this stuff and you guys have been dissecting it and uh and enjoying it as well as i have in this episode I mean, I don't even know where to start. I guess as a fan of Damon, it reminded me of Nora and Kevin, Desmond and Penny. He loves to create these kind of almost Romeo and Juliet interdimensional star-crossed lovers. (laughs) And uh, this was like when we were talking before the show started, you're like, you know, it's kind of one conversation. The whole episode is them talking at the bar.
1: Yeah, it's it's very much an introduction to Manhattan's character. It's so difficult to separate oneself. Um, obviously, I think we're both familiar with the source material, the comic books and the Zack Snyder movie. Uh, but this episode is really explaining what that Manhattan character is and what he's capable of and just how he perceives time in general. Um, so it, it's it's more to serve um, the introduction of that character, albeit episode eight of a nine-episode season. <laughs> But better late than never, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. How are they going to finish this, right? I can't believe there's only one episode left.
1: It's nuts. It's nuts. There's so many question marks still. There's so many unanswered questions, and it's going to have to all fit within the next episode.
0: And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff that doesn't get answered, and I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that?
1: It depends on the question, I would say. Um, There are some things that I absolutely need answers to. And then other things, you know, where that elephant came from, I don't need the answer to that. It's just a weird, quirky thing for the show. Um, but understanding things like how Vite fits into the picture and and what Lady Chu's actual motivations are, like those are questions that I, I probably yeah. need answered.
0: Yeah. And I think those are the things that are going to be answered, you know? Um, but like you said, that like things about the elephant, or if we're, you know, some people have been asking for more backstory on this or that. And we might not get that. But I do think that we're getting. Uh, the picture of how these people fit together, why they're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? Right. Um, One concept that came up that I wanted to immediately talk to you about, because I know that you're a big fan of time travel and interdimensional (laughs) stuff. Do Angela immediately, when she asks uh, Cal Manhattan to ask Will how, why he killed him oh, and why? how he knew he had the clan, uh hood in his closet. And then Cal comes back and says, he doesn't know who Judd is. And then she goes, oh, no, did I create this? <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? Do you think that she created it? Like, that's what I started to think when I realized while he was talking to Will, I realized, wait, he doesn't know who Judd is. Right, like he's yeah. going to recognize Cyclops or whatever, but he's not. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I guess at that point, Will doesn't know. It's sort of a, a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Um, I think that's sort of a trope in a lot of, of sci fi, particularly time travel sci fi. Um, I loved it. I don't know if that's the the fi- final answer, uh, but it does seem at this point that Angela created uh, this environment, uh, and it's it's really um, one of the, the one of the phrases that Manhattan uh, repeats, or one of the one of the things that really. Um, exemplifies his character is that he's a puppet that can see the strings, right? That's from the original source material. And it really feels like in this case, this is what was meant to happen. This is the the puppet show and they're all just actors in a play, uh, albeit inadvertently. And I
0: mean, in a sense, that's what we are anyway, right? Like you you think about if you were Dr. Manhattan, anyone's, um, anyone's own will would be subverted by the grander picture. So I thought one of the interesting aspects of the show was how so much of it, this episode was about the decision for him to forget who he was and enter a life uh, with Angela where that was not a part of it and this he like gives up his god and like she said like Zeus he felt he falls in love right wants to come to earth i thought that was so resonant to the themes of the show and especially uh for the kind of deal that he makes with vite because in a sense they're both kind of like these gods toying with things and it makes you question the whole idea that we have of uh, race and the construct of race, and the fact that he, as this Jewish, white, white Jewish guy who becomes Dr. Manhattan, and now he becomes a black guy in Vietnam, which is taken over by America, <laughs> and then he comes to America. But did all of that really mean anything, do you think? It,
1: except to us. It means something to the audience. It is a deliberate choice on Manhattan's part. I mean, all of that stuff is, at the end of the day, aesthetic, right? Um, But he's choosing, at that point, a body that Angela felt comfortable with. Actually, he he had her choose it. Um, Again, with Manhattan, you can have the whole conversation about whether or not free will exists in the first place if everything is preordained. (laughs) And it's really complicated. It actually makes it really hard to talk about it, to to wrap your head around. Um, because. Ostensibly, he knew that that was the body, regardless of what her actions right. were, right
0: yeah, and he even said, or you're hiding one from me right that you have, and there is no way you could have inferred that from the conversation
1: right there's a whole bunch of other closed doors, yeah. and he just she picks one
0: so that was that's interesting too. I just think that coming into it, that kind of idea, what did you think about the choice to make it? cal's voice and then eventually that he kind of becomes a cross between the two and then not showing his face how do you think they dealt with that
1: yeah it's really weird so i guess when he first transforms he he mentions in the episode that his, his i guess his voice box changes a little bit his his vocal cords loosen i think is the way that they phrase it so again part of that seems like it was incidental at least for him um, but it's it's more about what she's comfortable with, and and, and a way to humanize him. Uh, I would say at the end of the day. So as he becomes more cal and less Manhattan, um, he he sort of adopts those those human features. And then at the t- point at the
0: end, I felt like it was communicating to us that, like, um, the that experiment worked. Like he had kind of become Doctor. Cal Hatton or however you would say, it. you know, like he really, even though he couldn't, it's just like when, just before he went under and she put the ring in his head, um, she said like, Are, am I going to lose you? And he said, no, I'll always, you know, I might not have my memories, but I'll always be me. And then the same, in the same respect, when she took it out, that cowness was still a part of him. I think it's kind of a beautiful sentiment that they really were in love.
1: Yeah. And I think the, in terms of like the, the filming of the show, I think it was very well done. Uh, they, they deliberately withheld his facial features. He yeah. didn't see him f- throughout the entire episode until the end when he had, uh, Yaya Madu, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen's face. Um, so yeah, I think that was, that was a great way to address it because this character is such a mystery, such a question mark. Um, he's a little bit of both and he's everything to her in this case. Yeah, it was really beautiful.
0: Um, and the conversation was so you get to see, uh, I love Regina King and she can be anything she wants. She's a great actress. But this season, she has been very closed, right? Very uh, – I mean, she's obviously – we're thrown right into Judd's death. And, but even in the first episode, they're reacting to the Seventh Calvary. Um, you didn't really get to see the side of her. She has such a great smile and an easy way about her. And she's really funny. She's a great
1: comedic actress. Great. You really got to see that tonight. Yeah, that really shines through in this episode. It's like you said; it's been a very serious show. <laughs> um, you know, the subject matter in general. She hasn't had a lot of opportunities to smile, so this episode we get to see her sort of brushing him off as just some guy flirting with her at a bar. Um, and it's a nice change of pace. And she does get uh, to you know employ a little bit more range than she has in the past. Yeah, she's she's great. Did you um did you ever watch Southland? No, no,
0: I'm not familiar. That was a great show. What was that on, like USA or something? I think it ran for three seasons, and a lot of the actors were – it had a little bit of a troubled production, just I don't know how much money they were given it. Um, but she was this, basically one of the stars of it, along with uh, Michael Kutlis. I guess he ended up on The Walking Dead. Um, and she was fantastic in that show. She has such a great range. It was just great to see her, like happy and laughing, and and I think it was almost like, kind of like holding your best card in your hand until the <laughs> end, you know?
1: Because yeah. I mean that-
0: this really showed her range and coming into it i was like wow they're really going to have to sell that they fell in love did you feel that through this did it work
1: for you not quite i mean oh, okay. it's it's tough. it's tough with manhattan himself because of how he perceives time so it's 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 a known factor right we know it's a known quantity we know what's going to happen and it's it's a little frustrating i can understand from from her perspective the way that he talks and the way that he perceives time a time and talks to her about it it kind of comes off as a little con- condescending um so it, it makes sense that they did fall in love because it had to happen and later on in the episode it it, it shines through in terms of her acting but initially it, it just doesn't it didn't click for me um it feels like his character and this is the same in the comics in the movie as well is is almost deliberately cr- cryptic uh, he could provide more information or context and he just chooses not to
0: Yeah. And you know what? That's something that I've thought about, which is, um, you know, Dr. Manhattan is described it as like, oh, just like almost like a neutral being, right? Like he doesn't have any personality, you know, apathetic, and he became so apathetic. But that's actually a choice, right? Right. Like, I've always wondered, excuse me, no one gave him a rule book. Like if you say this, this is going to happen. You can't do. How does that's one thing that I guess we're never going to know. I guess is what he is really the one making those decisions. So he is exerting his like the like you know the observer the Schrodinger's cat thing. He he tries to play that game, but he really can't because I think in the end what I think this episode kind of shows too, is he is human. Like he's still that John who wants to fall in love and have sex in the closet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, he's coming to everything from a human perspective. Like that, that's where he started all and he's granted supreme power. Um, but his perspective at the end of the day has to be human in terms of his outlook on life and his outlook on the universe. Um, So then that shines through because he is still actively pursuing relationships after a couple of relationships that went through their paces and ended up failing, if you want to use that term. Um, So he's still actively pursuing that. So he still has emotion and and motivation behind him. and It's not just a a pure neutral being. Yeah, yeah. Do
0: you think that –
1: okay, this is another hard to
0: kind of talk about, but (laughs) do you feel that he chose Angela? Like that he knew who she was and went and sought her out at that bar or did he just walk into a bar
1: at the bar? <laughs> like what – what do you think? I think at that point, he has more of the omniscience and is deliberately going there because Angela is there because he has to go there. Um what happens towards the end of the episode or right, right at the end of the episode, whatever that device is, it involves Tachyon. So there's a there's a piece of his future that he can't see. Um, but aside from that, I think everything else in his mind is preordained. So he had to be there at that time. He had to have that conversation with her at that time, and he had mm-hmm. to say exactly what he said.
0: Yeah, I find that to be really interesting because I guess I don't, who knows if the final episode will explore this. But I find his free will to be really interesting. You know, like I understand the way you're explaining it and I understand. And actually, I find it quite comforting the idea of the past, present and future all being what I don't find it disconcerting. I, I understood kind of intrinsically when he said to her "The you used to like this because you grew up not knowing what the next day was going to bring. And you found safety in how I knew everything, you know? Uh, I guess I'm just the kind of person who who seeks that type of control. <laughs> that's another podcast. Um, but
1: I wonder if he could choose not to, you know, and, yeah, and I, walk away. And, and I guess that's sort of what he does in this episode, right? When they implant that device, he's actively choosing to forego those powers in order to have some yeah. sort of normalcy, right? That is true. And it's for love, baby.
0: Love. (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) Um, Let's talk a little bit about – I like the backstory stuff. We found out that Crookshanks and Phillips – I thought it was going to be his parents or I thought it was him and his first uh, um, girlfriend. I think you guys had talked about that too. What's her name?
1: Janie? Danny Slater, yeah. Yeah. They kind of look like the comic book characters, but that's just they're sort of generic white people. That's true.
0: (laughs) And it did turn out to be kind of generic English white people with a cat. And and then we (laughs) found out what the estate was as well, um, the significance of that. Um, And I thought it was kind of interesting the way that when they find out, when they see him, watching them having sex in the closet. And then they talk to him later. They give him a Bible, but they don't tell him, you know, like what they were doing was not for children or bad. They tell him, no, it's love. It's good. And go create something beautiful.
1: Right. And and they make a point too uh, of saying that the Bible is essentially, it's a storybook. These are examples of stories. It's not a a finite um, be all end all. This is the story and this is the only story. It's just more a, a guideline, uh w- which I just appreciate in general, but it really um adds to his character in terms of how he perceives the world and, and there is no religion, it's just things are preordained, things are meant to be. Yeah.
0: Um I thought that that was cool. And it was kind it was very Dr. Manhattan-esque in a sense, right? Like like you're saying, this is the way these are examples and stories go create something beautiful that's another aspect of his personality is he decided to go and create and what he created was turning europa into a new planet and that's where he invite make this bargain with each other kind of giving each other a gift right He's going to give him a new world because he's sick of what happened. What do you think about uh, the character of Vite and how he is portrayed now that he's just kind of – he's a lot like Laurie. Right. He just kind of – he's tired of people. He's like, I'm tired (laughs) of trying to save them.
1: Yeah, the 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 bit that we see of Vite in this episode, is almost like he's depressed, right? He's yeah. sort of lounging in in his house coat. Um, the TV that was broken during the the climax when he fought uh, Night Owl and Rorschach hasn't been nice. fixed. You know, <laughs> like he, he's just sitting there watching his TV. He's he's technically won, right? He he succeeded in his plan, A- and then the question becomes: Now what? And for him. Like, where do you go from there, right? He, he wants to create this utopia, um, and he got very close, but people aren't um, cooperating as much as he thought they would. So, this idea of, of a utopia on a moon of Jupiter it sounds beautiful to him, yeah.
0: And that's earlier in the season, he had said, I was promised this would be a utopia, right? Right, like, so now we understand that, and I think that, um, I think that we are kind of reading that the same way. Um, I had a little bit – I have to I'm, – I'm always happy when I can get anything that I was kind of right in this show, but I kind of felt that, <laughs> that they were – because to me, there's like – there's something kind of cool about it, right, that after all they've been through, like, and he makes reference, I tried to kill you. This And then actually plan A is what uh, eventually turns out to be something that – Dr. Manhattan Desires. Take a little break to tell you about our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. And December 9th through the 20th. Use code Skywalker to save 20% off. Star Wars. That's right, baby. Use code Skywalker just like Luke and save 20% off. Go to Cufflinks.com/slash DVR today. You know, I was just looking over at Cufflinks. I was saying, man, you know, I'm going to be giving away some great prizes to all the people that emailed. And if we hit our goal of 50 reviews and 30 patrons, either goal, I'm throwing in another one and I'm going to get two winners and they're going to be able to pick from a variety of awesome stuff from cufflinks.com, Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, They've got it all. Plus, if you just want to look good, you don't have to geek out. You can just look good. Go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption For their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in Southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have to learn more about them. Check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire at gmail dot com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at Andrew and
1: Claire at gmail dot com. Thanks. Here's a question though: um, In terms of Manhattan taking Vite to Europa. Um, it's promised that it's a utopia, right? It's, it's, it's meant to be a positive thing and it becomes a prison for him later. Do you think that Manhattan is deliberately withholding information or do you think he genuinely thought that Veidt would be happy there and that just wasn't the case?
0: Uh, that's a good question because it's he doesn't lie about the fact that he found the adulation of Crookshanks and Phillips to be like unbearable. Right. you know, and, th- but that ends up being a selling point to Vite. So I think he, I mean, he can see, I guess he can see what's going to happen. So he, <laughs> right. So I guess, does he know, I mean, it's hard to say what, when, when he always says I can only see within his own timeline or, but I, I, I never quite understand how much experience that is. Like he acts has to actually be there.
1: But Yeah, know. it's complicated, but it is an important distinction. The idea is that he can see his own past and fu- uh, present and future and not somebody else's. So if, if Vite is not interacting with him in the future, he yeah. wouldn't necessarily be seeing that,
0: I guess. So we don't know their interaction, basically, right, right. at this point. Um, that could be the last time they ever saw each other, uh, and he didn't make any further trips, you know? But it's hard to tell. Um, whenever they sneak in the narrative device like that, like – you kind of knew that he went to see Will at the exact moment that mentioned, he mentioned it, right. right? Like as you're watching it and he says, if you have any business or – like I just love doing that accent. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, I kind of figured, oh, we're going to see that later, that he's going and doing that right now because uh, but- he's mentioned it. Um, so you never know if he popped in or out or something, or even in the time that he was in the kitchen or making breakfast, you know, like you just don't know what else exactly. he did.
1: We don't know what he's seeing at that time, what he's experiencing and even realistically who he's talking to. Um, he can replicate himself. He can be in multiple places at once and multiple times at once. So it's, it's really open-ended in that sense. Yeah. Um, so I guess to
0: answer your question, uh, I don't know. I don't get the feeling that he was trying to trick them. I get the feeling that they were like two gods at play, right? And if in the end he is dead, and I'd like to ask you if you think he is, but if he is and Vite has a bad turn too, is that the worst thing? Because isn't so much of this story, and especially with what we've seen in the TV show, um, and the implications for systemic and institutional racism and the way that it 's infected our culture and our country in America and in other places too, of course, all over the world, um but specifically for this, the america it, do we care about these gods? What do you think
1: did you when you saw him get zapped at the end? Were you like, oh no, dr manhattan 's dead?" I, I mean, I was. Um, I think that's what the show wants you to believe. I, I just, in terms of my understanding of, of uh, story structure and, and television and film in general, I can't imagine that that'll be the absolute end for Manhattan. Um, but you, you make a good point. Like the, the reality is, without interference from these two "quote unquote" gods, like people may have been better off. <laughs> yes,
0: that's the that's what I keep on saying
1: about, um,
0: Veidt. It's not as if. You know, like whether it's I'm discussing at Facebook or whatever, you know, other people, podcasts I listen to, I read articles. It's like sometimes a lot of people forget he created that situation, you know, Manhattan created that situation. It wasn't a foregone conclusion that before their interference, there was going to be World War Three.
1: So they contributed to it. Yeah, they were operating off of an assumption based on evidence to a degree, but it still, through their actions, created that environment. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like we said at the top of the episode, you know, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. By trying to prevent it, you, you end up creating the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Like Angela. Exactly. By trying to exert control, <laughs> <laughs> by trying to control everything, and like maybe that's maybe that's the lesson. I don't know. It's it's a very philosophical question, but maybe that's the lesson: is to try to exert less control and try to just be in the moment. I guess that sounds uh-huh. pretty.
0: <laughs> well, you know, Damon did have something called the Dharma Initiative, right? uh, In his TV show, so the guy's obviously interested in that. Um, yeah, it makes me think because now I'm thinking back at the Angela thing, and it's like. He wouldn't have asked Will if he didn't know that in t- asking Will about Judd, he was giving him information. You know what I'm saying? Like he can see what's going to happen. So that's that's kind of interesting.
1: That um, yeah. he, he's I sort of like a conduit, it. right? It's uh, he's the most powerful being in the in the universe, but he's still not able to control that. Um, he's still re- responding to stimuli from different people and doing the best he can, but at the same time. Uh, being a conduit, kind of creating the, the conflict, right? Yeah, true. I love this shit, man. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's complicated, but it's it's definitely a lot of fun to to witness and talk about. Oh god, year, right?
0: I love it, man. It makes me think of Primer, my second all time favorite film. It's a good I love movie. That movie, man. Oh god, I gotta watch it again. It's it's been like a while since I've watched that. I gotta watch it again. Shane Carruth, make more <laughs> movies. Um, <laughs> all right, I got another question for you. Uh, True and Will know that Cal was Dr. Manhattan. Now we know how they know, and we know that Will knew a long time ago, right? Um, And he even knew what he looked like. Right. Um, And knew his connection to Angela and that he was in love with her, all this kind of stuff. Um, And then he told True, but how does the 7th Calvary
1: know? I think that has to relate back to the White Knight. Um, ostensibly, both the, the assailants were, were killed during the attack on Angela. Um, they they reference in the, in this episode that he sort of becomes Manhattan again because it's a life and death situation. Yeah. And, and he takes out the guy that's going to kill her. Um, but it has to be something related to the white knight because that's what changed Keene's plan. That's what changed everything for them. At one point, it was just about becoming president and exerting control in, in that sense. And, th- and then after that night, it changed into uh, cloning and killing Dr. Manhattan,
0: right? Yeah, that's true. So he said – she said that I was just about to get um, you know, shot and you blinked him away or maybe he – put the guy somewhere and the guy came back.
1: Yeah, that's true. They don't actually say that he, you know, he blew him up. Like, at the end of the episode, he blows up everybody's heads. Yeah, essentially, that that's was awesome. Kind of attack. Yeah, <laughs> great. Very satisfied to watch. Um, they're, they're Popping <laughs> Dr. Pipple Popper. <laughs> um, but I guess the way that it's phrased in that, in that moment, there's no reason for us to believe that he killed that guy, that he just made him go away. Yeah. So maybe that guy reports back to his superiors and that's how they know things have changed.
0: Yeah, that, that was, uh, man, that was something else. Um, that stuff was so cool uh let 's see um do you i 've been obsessed with these batteries do you think that 's how they got these particles going on? Do you think it has something to do with that i don 't know I just want the batteries to be do have something to do with something.
1: Yeah, that's sort of a like, a, like a, a Chekhov's revolver, right? Like it's episode one. We're introduced to the concept of these lithium batteries being collected, and that hasn't paid off as of yet. Um, if that is what contributes to that machine, it better be explained next episode. It has to be, right? Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just a red herring. Uh, I don't know. Even if they
0: don't, that's okay. Uh, I won't get too upset at that. Um, oh, I wanted to say one thing you were you mentioned um how in a moment of uh extreme danger he could like become doctor manhattan again and i have to say that i know that probably people are going to complain about this and in the last couple episodes i've heard and read some critique of that kind of like over comic booky type stuff and i want to say that i loved that i love the way they flashed back to him saying it and then he was like thank you adrian i i just thought that that was it look it just all of a sudden makes me feel like um it's it almost like transposes into a comic in my mind you know what i mean like it just kind of it's it like a nostalgia pill or something. the way they write it like a comic book, like where you'd see the little flash or the little box. Right. I like see it in my I lo- do you like that or do you think that that's kind of uh overdoing it or over explaining?
1: Um, I, I can see how a lot of people would find that to be maybe convenient. It's just yeah. when you need it, the power's there. I think it works in this episode. Um, especially like you mentioned about him thanking Vite, how it cuts back to that. It's almost like Vite mentioning that in an in an extreme situation his powers would kick in is what made it happen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Same idea as earlier, yep. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So he's thanking Vite in that time and in the future, I guess. Yeah it's really hard and they're like gods it's like
0: because veit says it it's true if he hands him a little thing and says if you put this in your brain right then it works you know and we don't see him build it we don't know anything that's what i love about this whole season the way they just say this is what happens it's like every episode they rewrite the like Bible of the episode. And I think that that was a little bit of that for me, when they they gave him the Bible, it made me think that way of kind of like a show Bible of a that, that they do when they set out. And it's almost like they said, every episode we're going to kind of have to re-explain the rules of this world. And they've been able to do it for me successfully. And that comic booky stuff kind of is like a nod that, we know we're doing
1: this. Yeah. Uh, And and I think you're ready. It it definitely works within this episode and within the series at large. Um, It is a comic book at the end of the day. And and one that a lot of people thought was classically has been described as unadaptable. Right. Um, But I think what we're finding now in modern days that this, this is basically a comic book brought to life and it's not an adaptation, but it's a continuation of the story and it works and it, It does so, like you say, rewriting the rules, but without sort of disparaging the source material. It's it's not erasing anything. It's just adding to the lore. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like how the hooded justice thing we were talking about. It just like it
0: works so perfectly. It just fits. Yeah. Makes sense. You you can't say like they're stretching it or, oh my God, I just think it worked really perfectly. And I think that the way they handled the cow thing and not showing his face and the voice and the conversation show all the hand shots. It just worked. You know, they didn't overdo it. They stayed with those shots, like the shoulder, the collar and, and the hands. And it just really, to me, and I always say this as a filmmaker, um, you can tell when somebody is, when they go for it, when they complete what they started, you know, uh, like if so, if you start a pan, you finish it. If you if you start a dolly shot, you don't just cut it abruptly. You finish it, right? Like Scorsese doesn't just cut it. It works together and you commit to it and they just commit to something and have confidence in it and it works and it, it sells you. Um, one other question I have for you is I picked up on this. He says that he he teleported the kids to will's movie theater with him in Harlem. Right. Right. How did will get there? Is he, did he leave in the last day or so? Um, are we supposed to believe he got teleported there or is this a little clue towards the way he was kind of aging backwards? Like maybe there's a clone of him or am I just kind of,
1: the overthinking it. <laughs> I don't I don't think you're overthinking it. I think that, that a lot of thought needs to be put into these things. Um it's very open-ended. Uh there's of course a chance that he was teleported as well. Um the, I genuinely don't know. I, Will has been noticeably absent for the last couple episodes, and uh from Angela's perspective, we had an episode where she was experiencing his memories, so I guess he was present in a, in a sense. Um, And then we kind of needed a a reckoning between the two of them. We needed them to come together in the last episode and that didn't happen. So um, he is again, a big question mark. I don't know what's going on with Will. He's connected to true and obviously Manhattan. Um, But I don't know what his end game is necessarily at this point. And I, I guess the idea behind teleporting the kids there is to keep them safe. Um, Safe from what? Who knows? Yeah. I
0: feel like there's more to their conversation that we didn't see.
1: It always kind of feels like that, hey? Eh?
0: Yeah, that. Yeah, I, but they did kind of say I, we made like a deal or something. He said something like that. And then I don't know if we really saw them. Maybe I'm misremembering. I only saw it once now, but I don't know if we saw that. Um, let's talk. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up before we talk about the uh, little end credit or bonus scene?
1: Uh, no, I, you know what? I actually didn't watch. I didn't make it to the end credits and I wasn't aware that there was a bonus. <laughs> but fill me in, oh, please. This is great. Okay. <laughs> um, shall I describe it to you? Yeah. Yeah. Hit me. Okay. So
0: we. It's. Right after the credits end, and I I think it's great that they did this because if they had tried to insert this into the episode, it would have been weird. But I think because like you miss other people might have missed it, it would have been nice if they just did like a flash or something and then this happened. But anyway, we open on Vite getting a bunch of tomatoes in his face as each one of the clones, Crookshanks and Phillips. Says to him, Are you going to leave? Are you, or will you stay, master? And he says, No. And they put these tomatoes in his face. And then we go to a jail cell, and uh, the game warden walks in with a cake, it has seven candles on it. And he explains to him that he was the original Phillips and that he's been here the whole time. And they have a little conversation about. Um, Vite says, well, you're just upset that your big blue master left you alone or whatever, you know, and he kind of retorts, well, I've seen all the cruelty. I've been here from the beginning, blah, blah, blah. And you're kind of getting the feeling that he's kind of siding with Vite. that they're both prisoners there. And, um, Vite, I guess, I can't remember, he cuts into the cake or he gets into the cake and there's a horseshoe in the cake. And he starts kind of ramming it on the ground, if I remember correctly, and then we cut
1: <laughs> I mean interesting <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's on the ground or in the wall, but okay. um because uh, I was watching that one as my family was in the background and on headphones, so my wife wouldn't get spoiled um, okay. <laughs> but
1: uh what do you think of that? Um, okay. So the, I guess there's a couple things. That's a big reveal that, that the game Warden was the original, that he's been there as long. Um, the the seven candles indicates that this is year seven of his imprisonment, right? Um, I seriously don't know what to make of the horseshoe. This is the second time that it's been brought up in relation to the cake. And as far as I can remember, that has nothing to do with Ozymandias or any, like anything previous to this. Um, so it's, it's hard to say what that, what the horseshoe signifies or, or symbolizes,
0: yeah, I I don't know. It um I read something somebody said, "Oh, is he going to try to like there was an article that came up, I think on Variety, like uh they compared it to um Shawshank Redemption, like he's going to try to kind of cut a hole in his cell and get out." Um <laughs> are we going to see him do that? Yeah, I don't I don't know where there different rules for what a horseshoe does in this world. Um but I find it interesting because there is an uh, there is a definite theme here. And now that we know that uh Dr. Manhattan um created all of these people, right? On this planet, he created that pond and then he left them to this madman who starts killing them like indiscriminately. <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> Just yeah. like he did on Earth. Oh, and there's a line where Veit says in his cell, he says something like, I've got to get home to my 9 million babies or something. Like, I took it as like he's king of the world or something, you know, um, or 9 billion or something. Like he's the god that has to take care of everyone, but he's killing all these. So it's kind of interesting that they're rising up. I mean, if this if this is the universe that we live in now, right? that there are all of these people living on
1: Europa. Like, don't yeah. they deserve freedom? I, I guess. And, and it's interesting. The, the thing that they're most upset about is not that he is cruel uh, or murdering them with a, a bit reckless abandon or anything like mm. that. It's that he wanted to leave. Yeah, great but, point. Him being there, him being their "quote unquote" master, is what gives them purpose. It's their only—that's the point of their existence. So without him or Manhattan, they don't have a purpose. So that's what they're. That's all that they can care about. Um, uh, To jump off what you said, I think Veidt certainly looks at himself as the the father of humanity, the patriarch of humanity. So his nine billion babies—that makes a lot of sense. He sort of has a grandiose. Image of himself, yeah, um, and he thinks he's sort of like the shepherd of mankind, right? He he's solving the big problems that people aren't able to solve on their own. Uh,
0: that's yeah, uh, and uh, but I th- but I think we both think that they can.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I would hope so. I, I would hope that that uh, creating a hoax and killing three million people million isn't the actual solution yeah, to the
0: real problems. I hope so too. But man, <laughs> this that was yeah, it brings up a lot of stuff, and um, the. Uh, You know, I asked you earlier if you were kind of like, oh, Dr. Manhattan died. And I think I gave away my response, which is, I kind of like this story ending. I hope that the 7th Calvary doesn't actually take his essence or whatever. And hey, let's not forget that he said to Angela, I guess I could put my essence in something. And if someone eats it, right? and then he also said to her i want you to remember me walking on the water here on the pool yeah w- what is that about did she eat a part of him did she i mean they've had intercourse could you know what i'm saying could it, could he beca- not impregnate her but make give her powers could she the the logo of this whole thing is her face in blue it might not just be a reflection
1: like, so he imbued some of his power into her somehow, I mean, yeah yeah, through sex or just he he was making waffles and making point. waffles <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> I, I think that, that's a that's a cool concept. I actually hadn't considered that, like the idea that maybe Manhattan himself as the being is gone, but his essence will be uh, attributed to her or to somebody else, maybe one of the kids who knows, and he still exists in a form, albeit in a, in a new form. Um, I hadn't necessarily considered that. I don't know what to make of the pool comment. Maybe there's a clue somewhere in within the pool or I'd have to rewatch the episode. I, di- I didn't notice anything visual at that time. But that's what that implies, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean,
0: I don't know if I'd be happy with that. I mean, I love the show and I'm going to accept what I'm just trying to think of what that says, you know, because I guess I am a little bit attached to the idea of the gods being taken out. I kind of like that idea, okay. you know, um, after kind of what they've
1: done and how they look at other humans. Which is interesting. So what that means is that humanity is left to its own devices, right? Um, it's up to us to or up to people to figure it out. The problem with that is that things like 7K will exist. True. So I don't know what the ultimate solution is. Um I, I, I imagine the pool thing is is maybe less a visual and more about something that he said, some some cryptic piece of dialogue that will have significance later on.
0: Yeah, she mentioned it a couple times, like in the bar, she says, Oh, you can walk on water or something like that. Right. Um, I don't know. Interesting. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss?
1: No, I, th- I think that it, it, it's it's difficult This show. I think we, we discussed it at length here, but um, there's there's still a lot of question marks and we only have one episode left. Um, <laughs> the, the problem with Dr. Manhattan is almost literally anything can happen. So, yeah, like who could have predicted that elephant? Who could have predicted half of the stuff that happened in the show? So it's it's uh, it's. The show itself is unpredictable in nature, but it's still satisfying to watch. I don't feel like I'm I'm being misled. I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, me neither. Oh, that reminds me. Um, he says uh, to he says, "Where have you been, John, or whatever? You, I know you haven't been on Mars." And he says, "How do you know that?" And he says,
1: "A little elephant, a little pachyderm told me." Yeah. What is that? Th- I that guess that's that's like- Lady True. Yeah, it has to be a connection to true. Uh, it's still unclear what the elephant means. Like I made the joke in our podcast that elephants never forget, and that's what nostalgia is made out of. But that, that can't be the actual like scientific answer. Um, it might be. <laughs> it, might, <laughs> it
0: might be. I was saying you could imagine that the show is so weird with that Vite stuff, and it, it always has that kind of um, mythological bend to the science, you know? Um, I like even how, when he's doing the squids that we get to see him doing the squid falls, which is great. And it's just like a little thing he's doing while they're talking, but you know, he's like plugging in these old fashioned steampunk things. And it's just, I
1: love that shit. (laughs) I accept it. I think it's just, it's, it's Lovecraftian to me, you know? Well, the, the squids definitely are and, and, and even the technology too. Like, we have to remember this is a world where Dr. Manhattan exists. So things like the internet doesn't exist and all the technology that we're used to doesn't exist. So whatever version of technology they have does end up having a sort of a steampunk sort of man-made feel to it. Like they're just putting gears in a box and making something work. I love that, man.
0: I love it. All right. Well, I think we covered it. Thank you so much for coming on, man. You were fantastic, bringing great insights as usual. Please tell us again uh, where we can find you.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Um, TowerBabel.ca is probably the best place to go. That's the website, links to Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Um, We're on basically every podcasting platform that there is. Babel, B-A-B-B-L-E, not the biblical version.
0: All right, good to know. Go out and subscribe. Do the Patreon, and again, yeah, you guys are doing also covering the Mandalorian, right? And that the, I've been loving that show, man. I love the simplicity of it. Um, I've just really been enjoying it, and my son loves it too. Don't forget, Star Wars is for kids. Star Wars is
1: absolutely right? for kids, yeah. um, and that it, it, that show is again visually. Amazing. It's it's a great fun Star Wars adventure show. So I I highly recommend it if you haven't made the time, go watch it on Disney Plus. So much fun.
0: All right. Well, go subscribe, everyone. Listen to Dan and the guys over there at Tower of Babel. And I just want to thank everyone again for the reviews, the patrons. We really appreciate you. I will be back on Wednesday with Aaron and then Roberto on Friday. We got some great feedback. Got a great theory from David I put up on our Facebook page. You can join that too. Uh, Until then, thank you, Daniel, again, and peace out, everybody.